This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. Happy Christmas, or Merry Christmas, depending on where you are in the world, or, depending on your predilections, I expose just Happy Friday, which is perfectly fine with me. We are live. This may prove to be an absolutely terrible idea I had to try to do this live, because traditionally, wait, before I even get in any patter, can you hear me? First rule of any live broadcast on the internet is, is sound working? I will wait patiently for somebody to say hey uh, of the audience right now. And, uh, right, of course, I have to wait 30 seconds because of the delay. Maybe that's why I should switch over to Twitch, because it's near instantaneous. But I'm an old curmudgeonly fellow set in my ways. Um, yep. Shave just for you, folks, uh, as James C. points out. Now, uh, every, finally, I got an all good from Carlos Alberto. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karthik. Thank you, Paul, and everyone else. Woohoo! Okay. First hurdle passed for this very special holiday live Rado runs through stream. I've been thinking about doing this for a while. Uh, switching over from doing top tens is like a canned standalone video into live shows. I've actually been thinking about it for a few months because I think I've got live broadcasting down. And uh, to me, arguably, it's the same amount of work either way because I you know, create the little PowerPoint that has all the slides with the videos or the images and whatnot. And then I just record myself going through them one at a time, all in one take. And then I upload it and then you watch it. So why not? Why not do it live? I think we'll find out why uh, very shortly. Although, if this works out, I'm already thinking that a week from now, on the 1st of January, I'll do my traditional top 25 most anticipated games of the year live as well. Although I have not even started working on that list yet. And also, I should say, I am still going to kind of do this the way I normally do. I'm just going to blow through these 10 games and... uh, I'm sure you folks will have a few comments here and there along the lines of, what? What about X and Y and Z? And how could that possibly be there and all that? And I figure after the list is over, I will then start paying attention to the chat again and we can talk about what a mockery I have made of the games of the year. Uh, And before we get to that, there are a bunch of games, of course, that came out this year. And I'm only talking about 10. And so I figure, as always, I start out with uh, going over some caveats. First caveat, just in case you stumbled across this by accident and don't know, I tend to focus on games that work well with two players and that really kind of stay away from player conflict in, in the board game arena. So there's a lot of wonderful games out there. And in fact, some that I am absolutely 100% certain would have made my top 10 if uh, Jen and I were a little bit more or a bit less conflict averse. Like uh, Oceans was an amazing game. I definitely think that could have been in my top 10, except it's all about it's big fish eating uh, bigger fish. 
or vice versa. And so it really wasn't a keeper for us. A Dune Imperium. No two ways about it. That would probably be in my top three of the year. It's an amazing design, marred only by its propensity to be true to the Dune universe, where, again, uh, the big fish eat the smaller fish. And also, uh, Dwellings of Eldervale, oh my gosh, that looks so amazing. I have to admit, I haven't even tried it, but I have read the, the, the rules for it several times, and I think that could have been a contender as well. But again, I stay away from the punchy punch, so those didn't make the list. Other things that will not be on this list are reprints. Geez Louise, reprints are exploding. We're getting so many of them these days. Um, easily, half of my list, my top ten of the year, could have been just listing off games that came out two, three, four, five, six, ten years ago. I mean, a Kanban EV, On Tour Project Elite, Rococo, Florenza, Yido, uh, Seven Wonders, all got, you know, deluxe second edition reprint revamps this year. Several of them would have been by this, because a bunch of those are some of my favorite games of all time, but... I want to talk about new stuff. I do not want to revisit the past. Well, other than the past 365 days. So, reprints and 2.0s, they are off the list as well. Another one, and this is going to be a little bit more uh, controversial, I think, is I, I keep... In, in the same way, but in the same philosophy, I keep expansions off the list as well. Or, well, I keep expansions off the list, but I also keep standalone games that, to me, function as expansions. So, Aeon's End Outcast is awesome. Aeon's End, as always, is amazing. It would be one of the top ten games I played this year, uh, because it is a standalone game, but for me, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like an expansion to an existing game. So, it's off the list. And by the same token... Gloomhaven and Jaws of the Lion. No toys about it. Would totally, it would probably come in at number one, quite frankly. But at the end of the day, even though it's a standalone, to me, I classify it as an expansion. I want this 10 I'm going to list to be totally new things. Um, or at least they have to cross a threshold of newness. And so uh, that stays off. And also, and here's the really big controversy Pandemic Legacy Season Zero is not going to be on this list because. <sighs> I, in the same way I don't put Pandemic Fall of Rome or Pandemic Iberia or Pandemic Rising Tide in these, because to me, you know, even though they are standalone games, they they still have like 85-90% of the core pandemic DNA. And to me, Pandemic, uh, you know, even though we loved Legacy Season Zero, we absolutely adored it to be, it would totally be on the list. To me, it's still too close to Pandemic. It, it provided a bunch of new ideas, but not enough to make it on the list. So, uh, those are some caveats. Do I have any other caveats? Oh, and of course, the other caveat is this 2020 has been a very, very tough year, obviously. And uh, the, one of the... Uh, actually, I should say, it hasn't really been tough for me and Jen. We have been incredibly lucky. We are so thankful and so grateful that uh, you know all the hardships didn't really come through. In large part because of all the folks who support the show. Thank you very, very much for supporting the show. And um, But one thing that definitely did hit me is Obviously, not going to board game conventions means a lot of the games I pick up for review, I get in person at board game conventions. So right now, I have a list of, I believe, 18 games that have that I have yet to get my hands on, that have not shown up at my door, that I didn't go to conventions to pick up, and I suspect they are all potential top 10 candidates. That I, and this always happens every year, but never a number this big. Normally, it's like a half a dozen games I still have to play that I haven't gotten to the table. Here, it's 18! So, if you stick around to the end, after I do the top 10, I will actually go through them. It's kind of like a second list. Um, because, as always, this is going to be a preliminary top 10. 
10. And in April, or this year, maybe it's going to be more like May, I circle back around after I've gotten a chance to play all the rest of the games, and I do an update where I see if any of those latecomers have actually managed to push their way in. And some of those 18 might. Like I said, I'll list them at the end, because I made a little slideshow for them and stuff like that. All right, so... I think that's all the caveats out of the way, so we can probably start the countdown. Although, I will just check to make sure, uh, since we're doing this live, right? Uh, Excellent Connection says YouTube, and Live says OBS, and people haven't said I've gone silent or anything. Although, apparently, some people vote Beard, whatever that's about. We'll have to come back to that after uh, the uh, list, the countdown is over, and we do some uh, Q&A. Anyway, though, and before we get going, let's get a drink of water. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, all right. So, are you folks ready? And uh, if so, where do I find my tab for PowerPoint? I have got it. Ready, spaghetti, folks? Then let's begin my preliminary top ten game board games of 2020, starting with Lost Ruins of Arnak, which is. Fantastic. Uh, This is a really wonderful worker placement slash uh, deck building game. It was one of several that we played this year, uh, including Dune Imperium, which I mentioned earlier in the preamble. And this is such a wonderful combination of mechanisms. You know, the the fun and engine building of deck building, where you never know quite what you're going to get. You're trying to create all these wonderful combos mixed with, you know, all of it driving uh, worker placement kind of elevates both of the individual mechanisms. And I absolutely love it to pieces. So, um, Lost Ruins of Arnak is a great example of this. Uh, you know, kind of has a, an Indiana Jones vibe and feel where we are exploring a mysterious lost island, uh, trying to discover the mysteries of a uh, civilization that disappeared generations ago. And uh, as a nice nod to uh, a bit more... Uh, Uh, forward-thinking. We're not just trying to get all this stuff for fame and glory. Uh, The rules actually talk about how we're doing it to basically be able to tell those lost stories. And I have to admit, I really do appreciate that. Uh, And I appreciate everything about the game. It's got a wonderful presentation, and I suspect it's got a strong future ahead of it, because it is from publisher um, CGE, and also from a couple of first-time designers. Congratulations to them. And CGE is certainly known for putting out expansions. And honestly, the thing that kept Lost Ruins at Arnak at number 10 is um, I, I, I look for, well, I believe ultimately be fixed by expansions, because if there's one thing that I have a complaint about, most of the cards you're getting are fairly simple. And I would love to see an expansion that introduces more interesting, complex, intricate cards that do a lot more interesting combo type stuff. Uh... And uh, but I mean, but the core gameplay is absolutely phenomenal. I appreciate there's two sides of the board, so there's different levels of complexity you can play. It's just across the board an excellent production and just a blast. And I really enjoyed my number ten of the year so far. The, although of course, since it's at number ten, it's the one that's most likely to be bumped out. Apologies, CGE and everybody. But for now, it's my number ten of the year: The Lost Ruins of Arnak. Then we move on to number nine. Four Gardens, which really, really surprised me, folks. I did not expect this one to rate so high when it boils right down to it. And um, uh, it's not 
the very, very cool, gimmicky, rotating four-level tower that you manipulate to be able to determine what goods you're bringing in so that you can make the best, most beautiful gardens and score lots of points. I mean, that's, I think, what everybody is immediately drawn to, that tower. And that tower is a very cool gimmick that really is beautifully put together and really enhances gameplay. But what's super surprising about this game isn't that. It's the fact that as we harvest goods that we ultimately plan to turn into points by you know, building gardens and making lovely little panoramas, uh, there is this incredibly tight bottleneck where at any given time you can only harvest four goods. Although you can get an upgrade to be able to harvest up to five goods. And depending on how that tower works out, whether you are harvesting from the ground floor up or from the roof down, um, it is a very challenging puzzle to try to be, get peak efficiency to harvest exactly the goods you need uh, at exactly the time you need them because you are so, again, uh, you know, strangled by this, uh, you know, th- this bottleneck of g- g- uh, gathering the goods and then converting them into points. And that's what really elevates it. That's what makes this game so challenging. That they push this really incredibly harsh restriction that Jen and I we find we always gravitate towards games that really put us through the ringer. And while this is a super simple, quick, elegant, total gateway style game. I mean, this is... uh, But... It's so elevated by that restriction, and uh, you know we absolutely loved it. We enjoyed this game so much, and I did not expect. I thought, oh yeah, this is going to be a fun little nice trifle of a game, super lightweight, neat gimmick, but just that one extra bit putting the vice around us um, and making you work so hard. It's brilliant. I mean, the only thing that keeps it from being higher is it is a very tactical game. It is very challenging. It's all but impossible to be able to plan your next turn while you're waiting for your turn to come around. And uh, because the tower is going to change so much and you cannot anticipate what your opponents are going to do to the tower. And that wouldn't be so bad if it weren't for the fact that it's also a very thinky game. When it's eventually your turn and you're like, all right, now let's figure out what I can do with this tower. Um, If you're not decisive and quick, there's a lot of different things you can do to manipulate it. And uh, that can potentially slow down the vibe. I don't think there's anything to be done about it. And really, it's not too much of a problem in a two-player game. I would imagine it'd be tougher with more. But that's just a minor, minor blip. And really an unavoidable one in, well, my number nine of the year thus far. The uh, the Four Gardens. All right, then we move on to number eight, which is Whistle Mountain. Oh my goodness. Uh, this game is bonkers crazy brilliant in its design. From uh, Scott Caputo and Luke Laurie working together, these are two uh, phenomenal designers, both of whom are on the rise, and them coming together to make the sequel to Whistle Stop, which has absolutely nothing to do with Whistle Stop, other than the fact that they both feature whistles in the title, um, is it's brilliant. This it's, it's certainly an odd setting. It's basically kind of like Steampunk, Steampunk in the American frontier West, as we are flying around in dirigibles, trying to build this super contraption by laying down uh, Tetris polyomino pieces to create a base that we can then build machines on top. And then we land our dirigibles on those machines to activate them. Not only the ones we land on, but everything that's adjacent. So the whole point of this game is players are collaboratively building a worker placement board as you go in a very organic way that is really unpredictable how things 
things are going to go. The scaffolding has all kinds of bonuses on it. The machines, uh, you know, but it also allows you to have the place to build the machines, but the scaffolding gets overwritten by the machines. And if all that weren't enough, for some reason, the makers of this super machine decide to build it in a valley that is in the process of flooding. So over the course of the game, more water comes in and starts to cover up the uh, machine. So you've got to try, once you've built it, to get the most you can out of that machine before it floods. And if all that weren't enough, the rising floodwaters also have a tendency to sweep up your workers and they get caught in a whirlpool. So you have to spend some time actually trying to rescue your workers who are the ones who actually work the scaffolding. And it's, 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 it's just, uh, it's wild. This game is really outside the box, quite unlike anything else out there. This amazing combination of worker placement and tile laying. Um, and great presentation. Tons of replayability. The game comes with a, a mile-high stack of bonus tiles that people can be um, earning and trying to chase after to get special powers and all kinds of stuff. And it's just lovely. Very, very impressive. My number eight of the year, Whistle Mountain. Then we go on to number seven, Pandoria Merchants, which I think of all the games on my list today is going to be the one that engenders the most, huh? What? I've never heard of that. Well, it's understandable. Here's the deal. In the year 2020, in case people are watching this in the far-flung future and are wondering, well, what happened in 2020? Well, we had a worldwide pandemic. And we're still uh, working our way through it right now. And one of the things that uh, many board game publishers did to try to help folks through, because they were you know, stuck in their homes, uh, you know, couldn't play with all their old groups and stuff like that, several publishers released free, down free downloadable print-and-play games. Uh, so folks could have something new to play. And Pandoria Merchants was one of them. From uh, Burned Eisenstein and Iron Games and uh, Jeffrey Owlers, this is a roll-and-write version of Pandoria, which was a very neat tile layer that came out a few years ago, which Jen, I thought, was really, really cool, but way too cutthroat and mean-spirited uh, for Jen's and my taste. Anyway, Jeffrey and Burn decided, hey, let's give back to the, uh, to the, the fans. Let's make a roll-and-write version of this game. They um, put it out, and it turned out to be so well liked, so well received, they said, okay, let's go on ahead and put this in a box and sell it. And so that is what they've done. Pandoria Merchants, I don't believe it's widely available yet. Hopefully it'll go, or actually, I don't think uh, Iron Games, I think most of they do direct sales. But anyway, I got a copy of this. And uh, it basically replaces uh, you know, the, the mountain of tiles that you have. That as we're, it, we're basically exploring a new land, laying down tiles so that we can exploit those tiles to get resources so that we can build buildings or cast spells, because this is kind of a fantasy realm, and uh, you know, score a lot of points along the way. The original game was a tile layer where we're putting out tiles and also putting workers on the board to try and claim adjacent tiles and get big uh, paydays, big influx. So, it replaces the tiles with dice. And uh, much like uh, uh, King Dominic duel. Uh, instead of having all these uh, domino tiles, we roll a dice and that creates a dynamic domino. Sometimes with wild cards or doubles that create artifacts and all kinds of stuff. And then we have to put these dice together and, and pretend that they are a tile that we're using to expand the landscape. And then we also put one of our workers down by literally just writing our initials on the board to say, yeah, th there's one of my workers. And um, this game 
is brilliant. For my money, it is better than its predecessor, Pandoria, because one of the beautiful things they did in rejigging it to make it work as a roll and write is they got rid of the cutthroat. Players can no longer exterminate each other's workers. So once I've laid claim in this land, that is mine. I'll be able to leverage it for the rest of the game. And that so elevates this. And the thing that really makes Pandoria Merchant stand out for me above all else is in a world where roll and writes tend to be nice, light, gateway affairs that you can sit down and teach and anybody can learn really quick and just have a good time, I think Pandoria Merchants might be the heaviest roll and write on the market. Uh, it is so deep uh, because it really does not pull back from just how heavy and, and uh, rich Pandoria was but just transforms that into roll and write form, and I love that. Now, it's got competition. Roman roll uh, is arguably, I would say, the most complex roll and write on the market, but I think Pandoria Merchants, may, while it's simpler and a bit more streamlined, is maybe even heavier still. Jen and I found as we were playing this, we were just pulling our hair out in the best way because it so put us through the ringer. There are so many incredibly tough choices, and it's pretty rare that Jen and I enjoy a game where we're working in a communal area where we can cut each other off. But here it worked pretty well because every time, if, if you make a move that cuts me off, all you're doing is allowing me to harvest stuff earlier and giving me other stuff that I can leverage later. The The synergy between players in this game is very palpable. It's amazing. It is a miracle. Uh, and it is, to my mind, currently the high watermark for folks for the very, very small, nascent genre of heavy rolling rights. And we loved it to pieces. And it is my number seven of the year. Pandoria Merchants. But now, we move on to number six, Praga Kaput Regni. Which, if Jen were to come in here right now, and she could, but she says, yeah, there's no way I'm getting live. I am not getting myself ready for a live broadcast on Christmas Day. Uh, in fact, she's in the other room um, doing a Zoom with her sister and the kids down in California while they open presents and all that. And I should be there, but I'm here with you folks. Uh, although I, I did put my time in there and I said, hey, to Zane and Zoe. Hey, Zane and Zoe. And, and all the rest of you have been. And, uh, but anyway, so I, I only mentioned this would probably be Jen's number one of the year. I think... But we cannot confirm that right now. It's my number six. It's the latest from Vladimir Suchi. And uh, it shows Vladimir and his new startup publishing house, Delicious Games, is just continuing to uh, you know improve game upon game upon game. And this thing is amazing. Um, I, it, it, it kind of, some, I, I, I couldn't, uh, begrudge anybody for saying, well, hey, it kind of has a Zulkin the Mind calendar vibe because it does have this very, very cool rotating gear cog, um, that represents how you do action selection because as it rotates, new actions become available, old ones we get too expensive. And, um, and the actions themselves are all about players, uh, collaboratively helping to develop the city of Prague which was the capital of the nation, which I believe is what Prague Kaput Regni means uh, in Latin. And it is so rich. There is so much going on. Uh, it is, uh, you know, I mean, there's wheels aplenty. I mean, your own player board has nice little uh, dials to keep track of incoming resources, the main dial on the board. Jen loves those kinds of physical gimmicks. But all of that aside, the richness of the city building here and the fact that this is another game that really focuses on players taking actions that create opportunities for other players. That abounds in this game uh, because you might uh, build something that then makes me want to build next to you, but then you get a benefit from me building next to you. All kinds of stuff like that. It is a wonderful design. 
I don't know if it's Vladimir Sushi's best. If, I, I, I'd have to, I, uh, you know, it's tough to beat Shipyard, but Shipyard has a, a high nostalgia factor for me. But it is a fantastic game. If you want to check it out, by the way, I have done run-throughs for all ten of these games. So you can go check those out. And interestingly, the run-through we did for uh, uh, Product of Put Regni was live, so you can watch Jen and I play together and uh, watch me literally melt down on camera as I make a few early mistakes and I realize I'm doomed. But am I? Stick around to the end. Uh, anyway. Amazing game, number six of the year, Product of Foot Regni. And so we are now halfway through this list. Let me just go on ahead and pause and make sure the live stream is still going away. Hey, Wei Mao. And uh, hello to everybody else who came in and said hi. It's just that Wei happened to say hi right at the moment that I'm interrupting the feed just to make sure everything is coolio. All right. Um, so... Yeah, uh, I mean, I see some people starting to make comments about choices I make, and keep those comments for the end, because I want to hear it. That's why we're live, because we are definitely going to have a discussion about this list. Uh, so, but uh, we can't do that until we get through it. So let's move on to number five is Bonfire. Of course, a Steffen Feld game is going to show up on my list if a Steffen Feld game comes out this year, and uh, Bonfire is fantastic. Uh, it's interesting, this kind of, for me, feels like a return to the the Feld of old. A few years ago, we were, you know, like four or five, six years ago, we were getting a constant steady stream of really rich, complex, interwoven um, uh, me mechanisms from Feld. When you look at Trajan and Macau and Luna and, and Aquasphere and, um, and over the last few years, it seems like Feld, or Stefan to his friends, has been kind of simplifying and streamlining. Uh, yeah, there was foreign trade in them, but you know we're, we're seeing just a lot of smaller, easier games. Uh, you know, uh, uh, card and dice versions of Burgundy and whatnot. Uh, on Kickstarter this year, there was Cocapelli, which was brilliant, but still on the lighter side. And Bonfire, to me, I so love it. Aside from the fact that it's a brilliant design, um, you know, all about gnomes trying to relight mystical bonfires to bring light back into the world, and they do that by marshalling their forces through this cool little tile laying puzzle that feels like it's a, uh, a polyomino Tetris style game, and yet it's not. It's very different while still having kind of that same feel. And that's what drives this overall game of exploration and building and, and, uh, Unification are the central themes of it, which is all very lovely. Although it's it's a dry, you know, Stephen Cold game with the, with the theme is there if you want it, and I do. But um, it's it's really what I love so much is all the variability, all the different cards that come out that give you different targets to chase. The fact that there's you know five or there's like a half a dozen different things you can be pursuing at a given time. And yes, this is a point salad, but I say that um, lovingly and happily because you know a lot of people mistakenly think point salad games like. Like a lot of these uh, Feld designs are. Well, just do whatever you want. It doesn't really matter because everything makes you points. If you think that and you just do whatever you want, I guarantee I will win because these games are always about amongst this huge smorgasbord of things you can do, trying to focus like a laser on just a couple of things and finding the peak most efficient way to achieve those goals is what a great Feld design is all about. And Bonfire has that in spades. And both Jen and I absolutely adore it pieces. We love the new puzzle of the tiling to drive everything. Uh, we love the little meeples that kind of look like baby Yodas, or I suppose I should say uh, baby Grogu's now. Uh, everything about the game is fantastic. And like I said, it signals a return to uh, you know what really made us fall in love with Feld. So that's my number five, Bonfire. But then we go on to number four, 
the castles of Tuscany. And here's the deal, folks. Up until about, what, um, around 40 minutes ago, this was my number one game of the year. It really, because it is so great. And I will admit, this is the game that is kind of skirting the edge of that caveat I had right up front of, I want this to be a list about new stuff, because Castles of Tuscany is basically Castles of Burgundy 2. And it takes a lot of the core of Burgundy, but simplifies it, streamlines it, um, you know, polishes and hones it down to a diamond and gives you a Burgundy experience in about a third of the time it takes to play Burgundy. But... I do think it stands on its own because this is not uh, you know a 90% burgundy game. This is maybe like a, a 60 or 70% because uh, this is what Castles of Burgundy would be like if it were fused with Ticket to Ride. And that's brilliant. Turns out that is absolutely awesome and it's probably the most fun I've had. And I've played this game, um, gosh, not quite a dozen times now but probably like nine or ten times this year because it's so quick, it's so fast. We have played it on Tabletopia and enjoyed it mightily there. Sitting down on the couch, we played at the table. Uh, I, I just can't stop playing. I absolutely adore it. So, um, I, you know, and it's hard. It's a tile land game. Uh, you know, the ticket to ride stuff is uh, drafting cards as fast as you can to get big, gigantic hands of cards so you can pull off really big moves that are kind of Burgundy-esque, building up a lovely countryside and triggering all kinds of cool combo scoring bonuses and whatnot. And at the heart of it, a very, very cool scoring system where do you go for small uh, gains early that'll pay out over the course of the game or save it for those really big moves? Everything about it is great. The reason it got dropped down is I was doing a little bit of last-minute research this morning before I went live, and I saw somebody posted about the Bur the Tuscany French rules, and they were complaining about how terrible they are because there's actually you know sections in there that are still in English and all kinds of you know and, and stuff that references the wrong colors. And I'm like, oh, that's right, I totally forgot. Tuscany has arguably the most poorly produced rule book of any game this entire year, and it's true. The English rules. On the surface, seem pretty easy. And I have to admit, the first few times we played, I thought I understood how I played until I realized, oh, there's just fundamentally wrong information. The translation of the rule books to, uh, maybe the German is originally fine, but the French and the English translations have huge problems. And I, when I thought about it and like, you know what? A game isn't just a game. The game is the sum total of everything it's got going on. And the, the, it was such a poor job done on the translation of these rules that they, you, it's, it's all but guaranteed. If you only go by the rules, you will play the game incorrectly. You'll still have a good time. Well, I certainly did the first few times I played, but I had to knock it down because of that. So, as a slight caveat, this is probably the most fun I've had this year, if you take out my earlier caveats, but the rule book really busted Castles of Tuscany down a few pegs, sadly. And interestingly, Castles of Tuscany, everything I just talked about, Bonfire, being a return to Feld, this is more like the new Feld. And I, I love that I got both. And this is interesting to me. As much as I just raved about how I love the return to the old Feld, you know, the big, long, complex, intricate, mechanisms within mechanisms thing, I put Tuscany above Bonfire. Does that mean I prefer the newer Feld, the more streamlined light? I mean, maybe this I, this could be a reflection of shifting tastes uh, for me and Jen. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. I would have to do some internal monologuing on that because it didn't occur to me until I just mentioned it as I put these two side by side. Well, what, 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 if I love the old Feld so much, why am I giving the new Feld the nod? Because I do. It's my number four of the year. The Castles of Tuscany. Then we go on to number three, Cosmic Colonies. Oh my goodness, folks. 
Wow. Um, I actually played this back uh, in 2019 when it was on Kickstarter, and I was blown away by it then. This is a uh, essentially a polyomino Tetris tile laying game. I mean, you know, we if you love Tetris, now is the time to become a board game fan because you will find so many wonderful offshoots. Uh, Tetris gave us so much gaming. But here's the deal. It's not the Tetris tiling that really makes me love Cosmic Colonies, although it's very well done. You know, like uh, top-of-class style Tetris. Here's the deal. This is a game where we are trying to make uh, colonies on asteroids to mine minerals and all of that. And that's what the tiling is, building up all our infrastructure on the colony and trying to score points and you know by, get, by collecting certain minerals and all that. But it's what drives the tiling. At its heart, this is a card drafting game, like Seven Wonders or Sushi Go or those style of games where I've got a hand of cards, i got to play one. In this game, you play two every round instead of one, which is very much appreciated, much like uh, Isle of Cats or uh, Bunny Kingdom. I love that extra little bit. gives you a little bit more flexibility. And here's the interesting thing about these cards. They're multi-use. So you can use them to harvest resources or for their special powers. So that's always a tough choice as well. Plus, um, the amount, the, the, their strength at harvesting also determines their initiative. So uh, turn order. I mean, maybe I need something really bad. I don't need a lot of it, so I'll play a low card and get that stuff quick. Or I'll ignore that and use the card for its power, because that's really what I care about. Um, and, because you're going to play two cards every round, each card has a, uh, a morning and a night. So if you play the first card this way and the second card that way, so it has kind of a Gloomhaven thing going on as well. Each of these cards have two powers, and the order you play them has a huge difference as well. All this stuff is amazing! But then on top of all that, here's what really pushes it over the top to me. Like I said, this is a card drafting game. And you would expect, oh, I play two cards, and then I hand the cards I didn't play to my opponent, and then I get new cards. Uh-uh. In this game, I, I find the two best cards I can play, I play them, and then those are the cards that go ring-robin around the table and I give to my opponent. And that is so brilliant. That is such an escalation that, um, hey, what do you know? If I really want to use these cards, the ones that are clearly the best thing to do at this point, I now have to give them to you so you can use them next turn. And I can't hold, I can't keep them from you. If I want to use them, I have to give them away. Oh, that so elevates this experience because I am always looking for games that have a lot of interactivity between players where you really care what the other player is doing, but not because I'm trying to destroy you or break down your stuff or steal from you. This game where the best stuff you can do is probably stuff I gave you because I needed to do that stuff. This game is amazing. Um, it is so good. It puts its designer, Scott Alms. Just a few days ago, I did an updated top 10 designers. Or, you know, it was like top 10 additional designers. Because my original designers that list I did five years ago, that still stands. But um, in, my, in my additional top 10 designers, I had to put Scott Alms. I've always respected his design. The tiny Epic Games are brilliant. How much he gets in such a tiny box. But Cosmic Colonies takes him to a whole nother level. Um, it is just an amazing design. Two, I mean, this would have been just an amazing tile lane game by itself. This would have been an amazing card drafting game by itself. The fact that you've got two amazing games jammed into one box, well, it put Cosmic Colonies at my number three of the year. Okay, then we go on to number two, Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Uh, from a relative newcomer, uh, um... Fabio Lapiano? Look at me. It's right here behind me. Yes. Fabio Lapiano, who I believe this is his third big box published game, and he is just improving game upon game upon game. And um, this is definitely his best. And at heart, this is a hey, there's merchants on the Silk Road stopping in Merv, which at one point was the most popular the, the the highest population city in the world, because it was a center of worldwide trade on the Silk Road. 
Um, although eventually, um, you know, invading Mongol hordes tore it down. And that's definitely something you have to worry about in this game because while we're trying to get points by engaging in trade with caravans and, you know, making good with the Sultan and all the rest of it, we have to set up defenses because the invaders will eventually come and tear down what we have built. I mean, that's all very nice. But there's a few things that really make this game step out. This is another wonderful example of players creating opportunities for each other. Because the main thing we're doing is building new buildings that, um, you know, unlock different actions we can do engage in trade, build defenses, uh, you know, get educated at the academy, work our way up the mosque, all that kind of stuff, build more defenses. Um, but as we put more um, buildings in the city, uh, in either rows or columns, because it's a perfect grid city, somebody else has the opportunity to move to the row where I've built a lot of buildings and activate all my buildings. And I'm like, hey, I set all those up so I can create cool combos off it. But then you, because turn order is a huge part of this game, move in and activate all my buildings. Now, the beautiful thing is, maybe I don't mind because I then, on your turn, get passive income that I'll be able to use on my turn. And that's awesome in and of itself. That level of um, intertwinedness between players really makes this something special. That said, it would not in and of itself, because there have been other games that have done this, wonderful Euros that are bright and colorful like Merv. Uh, the thing that really pushes this so high up the list for me this year is, um, well, it's, it's unique to me and Jen potentially because we so solely focus on two-player experiences. Fabio did an amazing job scaling this game for two. Because to play this... I mean, I've not played this as a higher player count game. I'd love to give it a try. I suspect it would be really fascinating. But as a two-player game, the way it works is there is a third trader who is building buildings in the city that can um, you know, create nice little combo strings, everything I just talked about, just like players are. And players split control over that character. Because in a given round, whichever is the first player, they choose a row... Uh, of the available rows or a column that the building for the for the I forget what they're called the the the, the automated player um, the the third trader um, oh the vizier I think I believe it's called the vizier maybe or the pray anyway I'll call him the vizier um, one player whoever's in the lead chooses the row but then the other player chooses the uh, column and so players combined decide where this third player is going to go and you better believe this is an intri- every time the uh, the vizier's turn it's not the vizier but it's something like that comes up it is such a fascinating decision. Because if I'm the lead player, I've got to decide, well, okay, I'd really like him to be over here because that would work really well for me. But if I put him over here, you're probably going to put him in that row because I, I choose the column and that'll work out well for you. So what is a place where I can kind of put him so that you have no choice but to put his house um, in a good spot for me or stuff like that? This so elevates the game. And I suspect if I ever did get a chance to play with higher player counts... I would find myself preferring to play at the lower player counts because I'd really miss that extra level of depth and complexity where players are working together to make decisions on behalf of this third agent that affects the entire world. It's awesome. He did such a great job. And it's that wonderful two-player variant that I hope all designers focus on and study and recognize that two-player doesn't have to be an afterthought. It can be its own rich, robust beast uh, You know, if you do a little bit of extra work. And Fabio definitely did. And that's why Merv is my number two of the year. Uh, but save the best for last, folks. My number one of the year, which I knew was going to do well when I covered it when it was on Kickstarter last year. Hey, we're live. Can anybody guess what my number one is? I'm actually going to wait a little bit while I, I vamp for 30 seconds and see if anybody can figure it out before I declare it. Um, 
spoilers, I did it when I covered it when it was on Kickstarter last year, and at the time, I was really blown away by it. And uh, I don't think it made my number one game of that month because there were some of the best games of 2019 I also played that month. But I swore it was going to do very, very well um, in 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 the 2020 rules or 2020 rundown. Although I did not think it was going to be that big because it's an abstract game. And it's a very light little gateway game. Uh, This is not what I find myself gravitating towards normally. And it really actually kind of underlines just how strong a year it has been for um, really wonderful, crunchy, interesting, lighter games. And yep, enough people have guessed it now, so I will go on ahead and reveal. It's Calico. Wow! This game... It doesn't look like much. It's a simple, abstract little tiling game where ostensibly players are trying to make the best, uh, you know, uh, make quilts out of little hex tiles by drafting tiles. You've got a few in your hand. Every round, you got to pick one and then take another one. And every tile has a few different ways. You could score it based on its color, based on its pattern, based on its position, based on, um, you know, other meta objectives that everybody is chasing after. And it's a very tiny board. Uh, You're very, very limited and restricted. And every single tile is agonizing. There's a really fun uh, YouTube channel called Board Game Grand. And recently, she did a video that was The Sounds of Calico. And it was really just... Uh, herself, recording herself, and I'm assuming her daughter or somebody playing the game, and uh, just like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, I can't, yo, and this is what this game does to you from start to finish. It is fiendishly challenging. Uh, And on the surface, it's so simple. I've got a few tiles. I'm just going to put one out here somewhere. I'm trying to score some points on it, and then I take another one from the public display. Once they're filled up, the game is over. And yet, um, it has tied me more in knots in a good way. In a, oh my gosh, what is the best move here? And you know, and it's filled me with more excitement and angst and tension as everything depends on me getting that tile that's up there. Will I get it? Nobody else wants it. Nobody else needs it. Oh, please, let me get that tile. Because if I can get that tile... Uh, and, and, and whether you do or you don't, you are so enraptured by this game. I did not expect it to be my number one. And to be fair, Tuscany was my number one. It's really my number two. But Tuscany, sorry, your rules disqualified you from number one. And I'm more than happy for Calico to take the spot. And I, is this another reflection, like I was talking about earlier, of shifting tastes? Am I getting older and, um, you know... Uh, you know, more set in my ways, and I'm having a harder time with the bigger, longer, heavier things, and I find myself more attracted to the things that are just as rich and challenging and deep, but that play in a quarter of the time with simpler rules that are harder to mix up? Maybe we'll see what 21 has to offer. We'll find out next month when I do my anticipated list. But yeah, folks, Calico is beyond good. It is, uh, and, and I don't care about cats. I'm a dog guy through and through. Uh, I don't care about quilts. Abstracts are normally a kiss of death for me. Um, There's just enough theme here to pull me in. If it had been a pure abstract, like a yinch, probably... And let this be another um, uh, message to developers out there. You don't have to go pure abstract. Put a little bit of theme on. Just a tiny smooch. Just kind of gets it over the top. Um, And, you know, and I just need a little bit to pull me in. And so Calico pulled me in with the beautiful Beth Sobel art, but the design by newcomer Kevin, or, yeah, Kevin Russ, I think? Ken Russ? Uh, Yeah, Kevin Russ. Watch this guy. 
he is going to be a designer to watch moving forward. And if you want to know why, watch the uh, top 10 designers that Jeremy and I did the other day, Jeremy Howard. Uh, But anyway, yeah, that's my number one, folks. And that's it. Those were 10 games live on Christmas Day for 2020. And, whew, I'm going to get a drink of water. Because, as you can see, if nothing else, this is proof that I do my top 10s in one take. Um, you know, people might not believe it, but yeah, I've always done it this way because I think it has a certain energy. And I, and I don't want to feel too prepared and scripted and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm thirsty. Mm-mm-mm. Ah... Okay, so um, we have a bunch of people watching here. Wow, over 400 folks watching. Uh, again, sorry, uh, I have, uh, you were not here in front. Let me, once again, wish you all a very hail and hearty Happy Christmas, or Merry Christmas, or just Good Friday. No, that, that's a very specific thing. Or, uh, you know, have a wonderful Friday, depending on whatever you... Welcome, thanks for joining. Um, and uh, that was my list for now. Again, as I said up front, I will be revisiting this list uh, at the end of the year. Or not, sorry, at the end of the year. Um, come April or May, once I've had a chance to get my hands on a few more of those 18 um, games that we've missed out. And I might as well talk about those right now. Let's just get these out of the way because I made a slideshow because I was experimenting with different features in OBS. So I need to go over to this other tab. So let's start talking about 18 games that publishers... Please send me review copies of these games so I can cover them Um, because these all look amazing to me. And clock is ticking. You've got a few months to see if you might make it onto the updated list uh, come halfway through 2021, right around the same time that Dice Tower does its yearly Dice Tower Awards. So anyway, though, my slideshow tab is there. So let's talk briefly about Cloud Age. Alexander Pfister, I believe it was supposed to be out, and it just—I think it's only just now going out. A few people have it. Capstone hasn't gotten their copies. I'm confident I'll get my hands on it. I'm confident I will love it. The only surprise is apparently this is lighter than um, his recent Pfister games. It's you know it's kind of more of a midweight. I'm guessing kind of an Isle of Sky thing. Still cannot wait. Uh, must play Cloud Age, uh, Monasterium, seems to be uh, the latest lovely rich complex Euro game from DLP Games. They always produce really solid designs. I would really love to give this a go. If I'm desperate, I did notice Monasterium is on Tabletopia. So maybe I will break down and try that. But still, I'd much rather play it for Reelsy Reels so I can do a run-through for you folks with Reelsy Reels stuff because you don't want to see Tabletopia run-throughs. Do you? That's a question. Do you? Let me know. Uh, anyway, because we're live and you can answer that question. But uh, Switch and Signal from Cosmos. Here's what's interesting about this. It's a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, A cooperative train route building game. I'm in love with the idea of a cooperative Age of Steam. I'm sure this is much, much lighter and whatnot, but still, that's a very, very interesting idea. Uh, Anno 1800, the latest from Martin Wallace. And, um, oh no, I've made my, oh, my borders are bit off. Ah, let's fix that. I don't need to, but let's just go on ahead and scoot you a little bit over so I get a nice, solid, oh, doesn't that look a bit nicer? There we go, there we go. Joys of doing it live. Okay, yeah. Uh, Anno 1800 from Martin Wallace. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things. And I strongly suspect this will probably punch its way into the top 10. It is based on a, a presumably a very popular... Oh, wait. Did the black not go all the way down? Why am I worrying about this? I shouldn't worry about this. Oh, and then I made myself go away. Ha, ha, ha. Live should have left it be. Oh, there we go. Oh, I, okay. There we go. Now that's perfect. Now I'll lock it in place. And now... We can start the whole show over because that was wrong! Anyway, though. 
Martin Wallace is an amazing designer. This is a very popular, very popular um, Civilization-style game, and from the people who have played it, because it's available very, very limited uh, in, in Europe, it's really the bee's knees, so I wouldn't be surprised if it makes my top ten, and hopefully Cosmos brings it to my door. Uh, Honeybuzz. Oh my gosh. This is another one I covered last year on Kickstarter. We've had a huge explosion over the last couple of years of bee-themed games. This is one of, if not the best. It is certainly the biggest, richest, heaviest one. I had some complaints when it was on Kickstarter, starter, but as I understand it, they fixed them. They actually added a uh, note-taking pad that's in there now, which was my number one complaint, that we didn't like the memory element of the game. And as, from what I've seen, because I actually saw a pre-production prototype of it at a convention while we still had conventions, it looks like one of the highest quality productions as well. And it's a very, very sharp game. Go watch my run-through for more. So I'm, I'm really stoked to check out Honeybuzz. Then, um, Howler Chow, the latest from Uwe Rosenberg and Lookout Games. Uh, it's another agriculture simulation. I gotta try them. Gotta try them all. Don't know if this one's uh, better or worse than the other ones, but yeah, it's definitely gotta be one to check out. Uh, Fayum from Freedom and Freeze. Uh, this sounds like a very, very cool game that has a really neat idea of as you play cards to, you know, claim territory in ancient Egypt, you're, you're basically making a stack of cards, and then after you've played them all, you then have to play those same cards in reverse order. That's a really cool idea. I really like that idea quite a bit. And, um, I, yo. Uh, no, I, I was actually about to give a spoiler to a movie, which I shouldn't do. Uh, um, but I, I, shades of a movie that maybe some of you recognize what I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I'm always impressed by Friedman's designs. Even if they don't work for me, I always uh, uh, respect and admire them. And I suspect fam, that's a really cool core concept. Uh, floor plan, I love roll and rights. And I'm still looking for a cartographer style roll and write that will work for me and Jen. Maybe floor plan is the one. Because uh, I've heard very good things about it. Uh, Rajas of the Ganges. Did I just mention I love roll and rights? And uh, Rajas of the Ganges, the dice charmer, is a roll and write of Rajas of the Ganges, which is uh, many people consider uh, Inca and Mark Sibran's best game to date. Oh, that's really villages, but Rajas was amazing too. And um, hey, I'm not above. I've put roll and rights. I just put a roll and write in my top 10. Maybe Rajas of the Ganges would have, or the dice charmers would have been another one. Dominations. I got to see this a couple of years, no, like three years ago, I think, at a convention in the UK, UK Games Expo, and I was really impressed impressed by it. A civilization tiling game with triangular dominoes that uh, represent the symbolic expansion of a communal civilization that everybody's contributing towards. I would love to try the real game because I never actually got a chance to play it. I just played a few rounds, did a little uh, video on it, and then walked away. Fingers crossed, because it what I saw a few years ago was amazing. Endangered... Um, well, just this box art. Look at it. It is so compelling. But I've heard very, very good things about it. I think this is a tile-laying game with some really interesting... I have not looked at it too terribly closely. I expected the publisher would have contacted me. They never did, so I don't know. But I've heard very good things about Endangered. Kingdom Rush, another one I covered. This has got to be the best... Um Oh, what do you call it? Uh, tower defense game that has come out so far. A brilliant, puzzly design. We were very, very impressed by it. Uh, and so it, it might have made the top, because we need more co-op in our lives. Venice from uh, Dave Turchi, and very important to me, Andre Novak. Finally making a comeback. Andre has disappeared for years, and I have loved so many of his big box Euro designs. And him teaming up with Dave Turchi, who is uh, becoming a superstar designer of their own. I don't know much about it. I don't care. Just the, the designer, the design duo team on this makes me want to try out Venice. Fort. I 
ignored this because at first I thought, oh, this is going to be like a really aggressive in-your-face game. But the more I heard about it, the more I think Jen and I would be very, very comfortable with this backyard kids at play simulation, um, you know, trying to make their own forts and all that because the thieving of cards is really not direct thieving. It's like, oh, if I don't use this card, that means I'm giving it to you if you want to take it. And I totally misunderstood. And I, I, it looks gorgeous. I love the cartoony presentation style. I've heard nothing but great things about it. I really hope to give it a go because I have good feeling about Fort. Skulls of Sedlick. I just heard about this the other day, and I was so blown away by Buttonshy's uh, Sprawlopolis and Circle the Wagons that another little uh, mini-game from them, yes please, although I think this is solo only, which is kind of disappointing, but still, I, I'm, I'm on the lookout for Buttonshy games now because they very much impressed me so far. Super Skill Pinball 4K, another roll and write. This is going to make a lot of people's top tens, and I don't understand why. Honestly, I wasn't that interested because I don't care that much about pinball. But uh, this has been getting a lot of rage. This is going to. Uh, this is already making a lot of people's top ten of the year. So I'm thinking, I need to. I need to play this game. I mean, Sidney Engelstein, the designer, is obviously the professor of game design, and uh, and suppo- and supposedly uh, this game is just the bee's knees. Uh, sue you. Oh my gosh, how do I not have a copy of this game? I so want to check it. Another uh, board and dice. Big, expansive, ancient world. This time, uh, you know, the Incan Empire. Uh, economic sim- uh, simulation from Dave Turchy. I already mentioned him earlier. And uh, yeah, I really want to try this. Red Cathedral. This kind of came out of nowhere. It was like the most anticipated game for Eschen Spiel this year. Or virtual Eschen Spiel, I should say. And apparently, it's gotten really rave reviews from people who have played it. I don't know anything about it other than that. So I'd really like to try it. And then we're back to Cloud Age. Phew. Okay, folks. That's it. I am done talking about games. So herein, where are we now? How long have we been going? I have no idea. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Time's lost all meaning. Uh, Oh, yeah, we started at 11. We're at 51 minutes in. We are still live. There are still 400 plus of you here. It's amazing. And so I'm just going to scroll up a little bit. And if folks have questions, be sure to put question marks on them. All right. Oh, oh, that's just really good. How John Flea put uh, all caps the word question. All right, John, because you did that, I'm not going any further back. And then, um, folks, if you have questions, um, and if you have comments you would like me to respond to, still, just write in all caps the word question. That makes it easier for me to spot these. John says, can I talk a bit more about my taste shift in the next podcast? I can, John Flea, if you send an email to questions at rotto.com. For folks who don't know, my wife Jen and I do a monthly podcast, and it's entirely composed of questions that are emailed to questions at rotto.com, and I think that would be an excellent one. Um, would you say your business model influenced that shift? I don't know. I'm really kind of just being... It's It literally came out of me. It's because putting... Five years ago, if you would have told me about Bonfire and Castle Tuscany, I guarantee you I would have put Bonfire over Tuscany. And this year I didn't. And I think I do need to do a bit of reflection. What does that mean? Um, right. So anyway, uh, it's a good question. Send it to questions at rilo.com. Let's see here. And then I'll move on. And Karthik... Waving cloud age in my face. How dare you, sir? You're a monster. But 
let me know how it goes. I'm very excited. Of course, of course you will. You always post up Karthik for folks who don't know. Follow him on Twitter. He posts really nice pictures of the games he plays. All righty. Uh, Capstone game version was delayed. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get Holler Towel. Oh, oh, I guess people were wondering what was going to be on my list of 18. Is Isle of Sky easy? No, Isle of Sky is just not as big and heavy as Maracaibo or Mombasa or Great Western Trail. It's kind of more of a medium weight game. Although some would argue all of his games are medium weight games because everybody has a different scale of heaviness. All righty. So hard to get a copy of Monasterium. Well, then that probably ups the chances I will never see it. And it ups the chances that I might just go on ahead and play it on Tabletopia. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get into that habit. Let's see if anybody talked a little bit about Tabletopia. Moving on. No, well, actually, right there. No, 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 no. Tabletopia run-throughs says Spiros and step into the portal. No, says Monica. No, says uh, Niramas. Uh, no, says Gerard. No, says Spiros again. Because <laughs> in just case I didn't get his first no. Uh, no, says James. All right. Okay. I don't want to do it either. Quite frankly, I mean. Uh, I could see doing it in a pinch if there's just like, okay, like, here's the deal. If Hollertal is really hard to get, and I don't know, um, uh, or, or Mon- Monasterium. Honestly, I'm a bit worried I'll never get a copy of Monasterium because I, I think I might have had a falling out with DLP. I'm not quite sure because I actually emailed them and they never replied. And I think maybe they're ticked off at me because of how I covered Manitoba. I'm not sure. It's neither here nor there. But if that's the only way I can cover Monasterium, is it worth doing a Tabletopia video then? Uh, I've asked the question again. I expect in a 30 seconds to see a whole bunch more no's. Anyway, though. Uh, all right. So let's move right along. Play them live. All right. Physical games rather than digital. Yep, yep. Okay. So everybody has made them. But still, like the follow-up. If the only way I can present... If it's a, di- a digital, a physical game that you can get, and the only way I can film it for you is digitally, what about that? All righty. Because actually, this did come up uh, earlier this year. Carnegie. Which um, uh, I really wanted to cover in November, but I didn't really have the time, so Shay took it on. He was going to cover it, uh, and I'm super excited about Carnegie. Uh, but it turns out they couldn't get their prototype ready in time, so they said, "Well, hey, we're still going to launch. Could you? Um, we have it on Board Game Arena. Could you film that?" And we talked about it, and we all agreed it was going to be terrible. But Shay did a test. He did a test, which will never see the light of day because it was just oh my gosh, watching somebody play something on Board Game Arena. It's a great platform, but not great for viewing. Um, but, you know, it, it, it has come up. And there have been other publishers who have said, look, we don't have a prototype. We're going on Kickstarter. We'd love you to cover it digitally. I mean, so that's still an open question. I'm sure you guys have already started answering it by now. But anyway, moving right along. All right. Uh, oceans, yes. Uh, yeah, and Honey Buzz. So people are just shouting games as I mention them. And, you know, more power to you. All righty. I'm just going to start looking a little bit more. I can't read all this stuff. There's so much. Too many games not played. Yeah. All right. Hollow Tile is great. This is exciting for you folks. Dominations. Look, Dominations does look cool. Endangered is great fun. Got it today. I, I hope to get it someday. All right. Uh, Endangered is cool, says Karthik, and Ragusa is lovely. Yes, it is. Not everybody agrees on Ragusa, but I'm glad to see you're on my, on your, on your team, Ragusa. And I've got to try Kalamala, another game from Fabio Lapiano, which originally was a three-player minimum, but apparently he's since released two-player rules, and considering what a great job he did for two-player Merv, I gotta, uh, you know, um, check that out. Anyway. Uh, do, do, do. All right, Jeff is designer. All right. 
All right, Tekenu. Tekenu, somebody. Uh, John Flea asks, Dude, Tekenu. Tekenu? Tekenu. I mean, yeah, it's right there. Uh, oh, you can't see it. It's it's right there. It's an excellent game. Here's what, here's what I didn't make. Uh, it did not make my list for the exact same reason that Merv did. I do not believe they did enough to make the two-player work. The two-player for Takenu works, but it's a very huge missed opportunity. And there were a handful of additional things they could do to really bring all the joy of a higher player count game into the two-player, and they didn't. I, t- I mentioned this when I did the run-through for it, um, and that's why it stayed off the list, because my list is predominantly focused at two players. Oh, by the way, folks, uh, I spent a few hours the other day completely rearranging all my shelves. Do you like all the new stuff? It's for the new year, because I've had all those other games up for six months, so I thought it'd be nice to have some new splashes of color here or there. All righty. Uh, yeah, the big ball one not really grabbing you. I, I I don't know why, but again, I'm just going on just word of mouth. That game has so much buzz. All right, Planet X is excellent, and I know it's going to make a lot of top tens too. At the end of the day, what do you call it? Deduction and reverse deduction, all that. We like it, but that's just not our jam. We we prefer engine building more than deducing. I mean, Jedi. That's another thing we've learned recently because you know um, we've had some more opportunities to do like Sherlock Holmes consulting detective style stuff and we're like yeah, I just don't know if we want to spend all our time deducing we want to build things instead of figure things out so Planet X was a brilliant it was a really great example of the form but yeah we're just it's just kind of it, it's just not our jam anymore alrighty how did you decide how, how did you decide how far to push down Tuscany basically once I decided I just looked at the rest of the list and said well okay how much does this rule book? And actually, what I kind of did is like, a, well, I played it wrong because the rules literally teach the game wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, with that in mind, how did it play? And I'm like, okay, and and how much am I bothered? How much does it get under my skin? And I, 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 I the thing is, it, it's it. it I, I was just okay. Well, no, I, I mean, I will put Calico over that. I will put um, uh, Merv over that. I will put uh. Freaking! What was my third one? This is a memory test. Merv, and then my third was Cosmic Colonies, and then oh, Bonfire. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Or was it Bonfire? I need to look at my list now again. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Where did I put it? Yeah, yeah. I'm at four. And I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I could have completely taken it off the list entirely. And um, but when I was comparing it one by one, working its way back up, trying to find a new home for it. And I and I said and it made me think about you know just how do I feel the games in terms just one one to one comparing these and I started thinking about it in comparison to Bonfire that's what kind of sparked this idea in my head about wait a minute I do rules aside I like this I enjoy this so much more than Bonfire and I really really love Bonfire too and in part I think it ended up there because that was still kind of whirling around in my head as I was doing this plus I literally made that change. Five minutes before I started uh, streaming live. And uh, maybe if I thought about it more, I would have kept on pushing it back up. I mean, I, I, it was mostly, there, there was, like I said, there was a post on Board Game Geek and, some, and I saw somebody complaining about the French rules. And I'm like, oh, I thought the French rules were good. Oh my God, are the French rules even worse than the English rules? This can't stand. I have to point this out. I have to um, say, publishers, you must do better. And, um, and, I, and, it was just, and that's just kind of how it fell. But I think as I was moving it back up, it hit a wall... And it wasn't really until I started talking, verbalizing it, why it hit that wall for me. Anyway, that's something like that. 
What about Cafe, My City, Athenium, Village Green? Would any of them make your... Uh, t- you know what? That's an excellent question. Let's put that to the test. Let's go to ranked.rado.com. And, hey, we're live. I can go on ahead and share my uh, browser, can I? Uh, do, do, do. I think I have a thing for browser, don't I? Browser. Do, do, do. And, all right. And then I have to tell it, look at, look at this window in Chrome. Boop. Is it this one? There we go. Hey, look. Uh, this is ranked.rado.com. And it's uh, night mode. Let's put it back to day mode because it's daytime now. Daytime. And um, the, I rank all games as I go, folks. Uh, let's go ahead and make this a bit bigger for you. Boop. There we go. Let's zoom in a little bit for you. But anyway, I rank all games as I go. Anytime you want to know how I feel about a game, anytime you want to, hey, what are Rado's top 10 rolling rights? You can just come here because they're in order if you can find the games. But here's a trick. I do a search for uh, 20 in parentheses, and I have not updated this. Castle of Tuscany is still my number one, and Calico 2. So, spoiler alert, folks, you could have known what my top 10 was before, before anybody watching this live stream. But now let's continue. Number 11, Glasgow. Number 12, Twa Dice. 13, Raiders of Scythia. 14, Truffle Shuffle. And, you know, Truffle Shuffle at 14. This, again, I I started to talk about this. This was a great year. Either this was an amazing year for the lighter end of the Eurospectrum, or something about me is changing and evolving. My City, number 15. Uh, Santa Monica, 16. Tekenu, 17. Pendulum, 18. Oh, poor Pendulum. You deserve better than you got. Uh, Viscounts, Athenium, number 20. And what was the other one? Bees, Winter Kingdom, Cafe, number 23. So there you go. I think those are the ones you asked about. Now let's go back over to the live stream, which uh, means you're going to see things within things. Let's go on ahead and go back to... uh, the, all right. So anyway, there, there are a couple of them. And if you... Oh, and, oh, you asked for Village Green too. Well, now I've taught you how to fish. You can go find out. Um, right. Although I don't know that I've updated Village Green standing because I did have problems with it, but then they fixed it with a uh, variant that they have since released that really escalated it. I'd have to go back and check. Anyway, though. Uh, what didn't you like about Praga? What don't I like about Praga? Oh, me, what kept it from being number one? Nothing, really. Gosh, let me think. What do I what do I not like about Praga? Ooh. Wow, that's a tough question. As you can see. Let's let's uh let's help uh spur my memory by going back to and let me look at me playing Praga. And just so you can uh, not just watch me uh, rubbing my temples, you can look at Praga again, which as previously mentioned was my number uh, 6. What do I not like about this game? Oh, I'm just looking over everything. I, oh man. This game is just about heavy Euro perfection. What would I, what would I improve? Um, 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 um. If I were to think about what might be missing from this game... Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, there's no unique player powers. That's all. I mean, you, you can always throw unique player powers in. That's always kind of nice. I honestly expect there will be an expansion for this, and that will do that. You know, same as, uh, uh, what do you call it? Underwater Cities expansion, which was excellent and really kind of elevated the game to the next level. But I mean, I love, I mean, I love the 3D tactile nature of it. I mean, not that they're necessarily all shown in this video. I love the city building. It's so great. The, uh, I, I, I love the art. I love the extra work done for the dual layer player boards. I mean, yeah, that's just a nice physical touch. You know, I mean, all of the different paths to victory, whether you're running the road or you're building or you're building your own little personal engine, 
And they're all uh, compelling, whether you're working your way up the cathedral, the palace. Yeah. I don't know, man. I honestly can't think of anything I don't like about Praga Kaput Regni. So, if you're asking, why is it at number six? Why isn't it my number one year of the game? It's, it's not that there's any problems. It's just that there were other games I liked more. That's really what it has to come down to, if, in fact, that was your question. Okay. Hey, and this live thing seems to be working out okay, doesn't it? And thank you, Step. All right, I think we finally got to the part where I said, hey, ask in all claps questions, because Step into the portal, I really need to get one of those things that lets me uh, put the uh, question on screen, don't I? Should I just leave uh, the games running in the background? Probably I should, instead of just me, right? Me zoomed in. Hello. I don't know. Tell me. Well, it'll be a while for you. Anyway, sorry. So question. You received the expansion for Star Wars Expeditions. Is the expansion necessary? Are, are you received the expansion for Star Wars Expeditions? Uh, no, it's not. It's nice. It's not well, the expansion I would have made. It is great to have who uh, who was... I think it adds Scotty. And I mean, Scotty's like always been my favorite. Uh, a member of the original crew. Um, but no, it didn't do what it really needed to do. So it's, go- it's good to have if you're a Star Trek Expedition lover like me right there just off camera. But... I, 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 if you haven't gotten any of your... Because it's hard to get. I wouldn't worry about too much. What is my take on Oceans? I did a run-through on Oceans earlier this year. Hey, I know what I can do. Let's see. Let's go on ahead and bust this pop out. Let's pop out this chat. All right. And then let's go back to Browser View. Browser. And then let's go and say, don't look at that browser. Look at this browser. Is that the right one? No. Look at that one. There we go. Hey, it's a chat thread. Okay, we can, uh, all right, so, oh, and all right, all right, let's go back up. Where was I? Where was I? Where was I? All right, Trek. No. Expedition. Oh, dear. I've lost it. Uh, how much did you miss going to game? Oh, my gosh. Oh, by breaking, I, I, oh, folks, I'm sorry. Somehow, by breaking it out. Oh, wait, no, I don't want top chat. I want all, I want live chat. Will that give me, nope. Can I go back? All right, okay, this is as far as I can go back. I think in doing this, I ended up, um, knocking out some folks' stuff. I apologize for that. So, uh, if I missed your question, please ask it again. We will continue to Steve. Do I like Project Elite? I love Project Elite. If it weren't for my, um, what do you call it? Uh, moratorium on reprints, Project Elite probably would have made my top 10 of the year. And oh my gosh, all the new stuff, some of which sadly is Kickstarter exclusive, but still, even the non-Kickstarter, oh wow, it's amazing. Alrighty, uh, two player, right. a question. If you can't get the game, we probably can't get it either. So why show it to us? Uh, because you'll be able to get to it eventually, I suppose. Um, would be my answer to that, I think. Uh, can you come to my house and help me arrange my shelves? No. This was a lot of work. What I already did, I'm not doing that again. Uh, how about Beyond the Sun? Beyond the Sun is very cool. I, I, I liked it more than Jen. Um, well, yeah, and what was it? Yeah, Jen liked it too, but... Wait, wait. Oh no, no, shoot, shoot. No, I'm thinking of a different game. I'm thinking of a different game. That's the that's the flowchart game, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the worker placement flowchart game. Or not flowchart game, uh engine building game. Or tech tree. That was the tech tree game. No, that was very cool. That didn't make the list because unfortunately, the if it had just been the tech tree stuff, it I'm not sure if it would have been it could have been a contender, but the area control stuff was done very well and it was very compelling, the idea of first in getting better versions of the plants and all that. But still, we just didn't want to spend so much time fighting over terrain. So that's why I didn't make the list. I see Santa Monica thoughts. Um I put a bunch of games in front of it that I really, really love. They were some of my favorites of the year. Santa Monica is one of my favorites of the year. It's absolutely brilliant. It is a shame it is not getting more attention and love. 
a new collection video. You know what, Cerberus? Uh, I do continue to do new collection videos. I do, I do. But um, now I do them every year in like Jan or Feb or something like that. But they are for Patreon backers because every month I do a ramble video where I, you know, for folks who back me at $2 a month, they get usually an anywhere from 20 to 90 minute long video where I talk about things. I do extra top tens. I do, I, that's where my new collection update videos live, stuff like that. Okay. Because, you know, I, I used to make it free for everybody, but I figure, hey, if people are actually giving me money to do the show, I've got to give them something worthwhile. And what's the best thing I can do? More content. So, um, yeah, that's 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 the story of the rambles. Do, do, do. New splash of color. This war of mine. Um, <laughs> yes, that is an absence of color. But, uh, you know, when I was shuffling stuff around, I, I just think it's such an amazing game. I just, you're right. That is the, well, you know, um, white, white is all the colors. But black is an absence of colors, isn't it? Yeah, okay, you got me there. Alrighty. On Mars. I have only played the prototype of On Mars. So I didn't really spend any time considering it. But you will also notice I did not put it like I did Honey Buzz. On Mars was really great. It was a bit much for Jen. Jen's like... Uh, 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 and I've talked about this in the past. Kind of that threshold where a heavy game becomes too heavy. Where the pleasant grind of grinding through all her chunks becomes, you know, grinding her down. And On Mars definitely had that. And it's a stupid little thing, but I'll be honest. For me, I was not a fan of the equivalent of Unatanium. That, you know, normally his designs are so wonderfully and lovingly crafted to deal with true science or true reflections of whatever they're simulating. But then he had this all, oh, look, we're just going to say there's a magic crystal that you can find here. It's like, oh, and that just always kind of sat wrong with me. So it was a combination of things that kept on Mars. I mean, I'd love to try it again, but I know Jen wouldn't because I, th I think she got burned out on it on the first one because it's just, it's, it's not a reflection of the game. It's like uh, occasionally there are games that are just too much. All right, what would have replaced it? I don't know what it is, J.J. the Great. Did you say something earlier? You'll have to ask again, because I'm moving on. All righty, On Mars. There are more people asking about On Mars. Planet Unknown. As I don't, I, Planet Unknown probably would make my top 10 of the year. Probably. But I don't think it's coming out until 2021. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Would you consider buying a game uh, uh, of the shelf to review if you hadn't sent a review copy? Good question, James. Um... Mostly no, because if I could take this camera into the next room over, you would find a an explosion of games that publishers have already sent me for coverage. And if you if I could pan this camera right over there, you would see probably a, a couple, you know, maybe a dozen or so games that I have actually bought that I will probably never cover, even though I could, like uh, the Seven Continent expansion and. Um, Oh, oh, they're too far around. Or Ancestry is another example. I don't cover those because I put them at the back of the queue because a publisher has uh, taken the time and expense to send me one. I just feel it's polite to cover those games before I cover games that I buy for myself, which I do still occasionally. Mostly it's expansions and whatnot. So um, they don't tend to get covered, and that's why. Alrighty. The only thing about live is that I can't listen at 2x speed. That is true. And that would be driving me nuts, Jack. What I would suggest doing, Jack, is pause for a half an hour, come back, and then you can listen to the last 30 minutes at double x speed and catch right back up with us. That is probably what I would be doing. Uh, that's why I always have to. That's why I can't watch anything on Twitch. Alrighty. All right, I'm looking for question marks. Looking for question marks. Question. Did you know that YouTube auto-generated captions successfully capture your singing of... Uh, no. 
I did not know that. Did he get it right? I think uh, YouTube uh, auto-caption does a very good job. I think my voice is very... It, it really hits the right spot for him. Or, and my complete and total lack, my newscaster accent. Alrighty. Nothing gets a 10, Richard. Nothing gets a 10. Nothing gets a 10. Nothing on that list. You must have been... Uh, I, 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 I don't give anything a 10. Although it really annoys me, because if you look at uh, my profile, it says I've got a whole bunch of 10s because it rounds everything up to 10. I have nothing's a 10. Nothing... Um, doesn't have room for improvement. Uh, you know, that, that's it. I, I just arbitrarily set that line in the sand. I do say there are plenty of things that are fives, but if you force me to put something on a 10-point scale, I say nothing can truly hit that. And it's just an arbitrary thing with me. All righty. DTT. Questions, questions, questions. All right. What do I, what would I think would be Jane's top three games? Jane, Jane, Jen's games. That's a really good question. Let's come back over here. Let's come back over here. And let's uh, go through these 2020s again. All right. Oh, and you're not getting to see it, but uh, you can still see the questions. All right, because uh, it's highlighted, right? Is it? Did I highlight it? Question. Yes, I did. All right, so looking at Jen's stuff... I mean, because Jen does have different tastes than me. All right. She really loved Tuscany. Tuscany, I mean, she loves it even more than me. So Tuscany is a strong candidate... And she really loves Bonfire. Bonfire, I think she might do as well. I mean, I don't even tell her when we sit down that it's a Feld game, and she just starts getting a buzz, and halfway through, I say, you know why you're having such a good time? Because it's Feld. She says, yes, I knew it! Um, she can just feel Feld. Uh, right, what else did she really like? She really liked... She really loved Pendulum. She loved Pendulum more than me. So Pendulum, maybe. Uh, da, 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 da. She really loved Margraves of Valeria, so maybe that one. I, all I can do is maybe's. The, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a guess at her top ten. Uh, see, all right. So that's it for the first page, and then if we go to the second page, which sadly you can't see, although anybody can go to rank.rado.com and do a search for twenty parentheses. Uh, New York Zoo? No, I don't think so. She really liked it a lot. Uh, she really liked Fire Robin. Finishing time. She really liked that. I mean, I think for the theme and also for the really clever mechanisms, that's a possibility. And we're getting there. I think we're getting towards the end of the... Yeah, now we're getting to stuff I haven't played. So some some combination of those things, I think, would be her top however many things I just listed for you. Good question, though. All righty. What was my favorite solo game of 2020? I, I'm not a solo gamer. I, I cover them occasionally. But what would be? Let's see. Well, let me just say, uh, what would be my of the, of the games I played? What do I think of all those games? What would I want to play solo the most? Oh, uh, Pandora Merchants. Pandora Merchants has a very cool solo mode that kind of adds this like extra layer of puzzleness that makes the game even richer and heavier. So off the top of my head, probably Pandora Merchants. Although, man, the uh, everything I said about um, the uh, no, 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 I'm going to go with Pandora Merchants for now, anyway. All right, moving right along, Praga. Is kind of punishing. Yes, we love punishing. Go and search for Rado Top 10 Masochistic. And I talk all about how Jen and I really like. Although, I've recently discovered this year, it's mostly me that really likes. Jen appreciates them, but I love them. And she kind of goes along with it. Did I like Escape Plan? No. Yes, no. Escape Plan. Oh, wait. Oh, no. I was thinking of Floor Plan, because I talked about that earlier. Escape Plan, I thought was pretty cool. It was certainly lighter. What was it? What was it? It was a really weird time. 
I did not really get a good amount of time with Escape Plan because that was when we were in the process of moving from Malta to where we are now and we were temporarily living in my mom's house trying to find renters for her and also try to get her entire life in order. So we were both under a ton of stress at that point in our life. Maybe one of the most stressful times we've ever had in our lives. And then, oh, Escape Plan came. And Jen's like, yeah, I do not want to play as a bunch of, of criminals. She's just not interested in that at all. And I'm like, oh. And we didn't really have a good place to play it. And I, I don't know. I can't speak to Escape Plan. It was, it was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So that's a tough one for me to answer. Oh, dang you! Why did you jump? Did you see that, folks? You see how it jumped for no reason? All right. So I, but unfortunately, I had that highlight, so I go back and find where I was. Uh, does he want to go three hours today? I don't know about that. Uh, question. How often do you read a rule... How often have you read a rule set and then been kind of uninterested and then see it played and all clicked? Your play of Cedar took me from meh. No, that doesn't happen very often. It does, but not very often. I mean, I read so many rules. I probably read a half, at the minimum, a half a dozen rule books every week. And, you know, and uh, I've gotten to the point where I can have a pretty good idea and it's pretty rare that they surprise me. What is one that surprised me? What is one that surprised me? Uh... Oh, man. You know what? I think I've got a top 10 surprises coming up because I'm trying to revisit things I've done in five years. Maybe I'll talk about that then because that actually would be a good thing to talk about. What do I think about Beyond the Sun? I talked about that a little bit earlier. What's my best solo game? Oh, I th- I've already answered that one. What uh, my take on Oceans? I haven't gotten around to play it yet. Uh, I did a run through for it. You can find it. Oh, people are re-asking questions, right. Uh, how many games does my collection have? Oh, uh, you can go to that rank.rado.com. It tells you. Although since I've still got it open, I will look and I think it's something like high 300s. No, I, I lied. It's 436 uh, at the moment. Although I am still trying to whittle stuff out and send them off to the Dice Tower West Convention. Alrighty, where did I go? There's back to the questions. Okay. Uh, uh, did I try Paleo? Yes, and I did a run through for Paleo. I think it's great. I think they really dropped the ball on the two player uh, version. Although, actually, I saw the designer of Paleo talking somewhere, like on a designer diary, that he saw what I said, which was, I wish he had done a little bit more for the two-player. And he felt, no, I didn't want to do that. I think two-player is the best way to play it because the real decision is not in, after all the cards are revealed, what what you do with them and how you resolve them. The real decision is when they're all face down. And that that is a more compelling decision in two-player because a lot more is riding on it. Or He didn't say that, but that was kind of the message I took. And I understand that. But I think that's... His take, knowing the game so well like the back of his hand, that for him, the decision of blind, because he's played the game probably hundreds of times, is more interesting. For a novice at the game who's still new, that's a decision that's interesting, but the real meat of the game comes after they've been flipped up. So I think that is an example of the designer losing touch with what it really feels like to play the game new for the first time. Just as an aside, that just kind of popped into my head. Question, have I gotten around to playing Planet Unknown? Is it available? I played it when it was on Kickstarter. I don't think it's available yet. If it is, I, I thought it was going to be a 2120 game. If it's a 2020 game, come back in April or May and see if it made the list. But I'm pretty sure. Alrighty. How much do I miss going to game cons? Honestly, not that much. I, all my gaming's with Jen. Um, and it's nice meeting and seeing people. It's nice seeing you, Ref Tom Green. But um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. Uh, Jen misses it a lot because she sells her glasswares at them and, and she can end up doing half her year's business um, over the space of three days. So it's great for her. And it's good for me to, you know, to pick up all the latest games. It's nice to say hi. And it's great to hear from everybody who really likes this show. And I mean, that's all fun, you know, that kind of celebrity stuff. 
But I'm a homebody. I just like being home. I like being comfortable. Uh, I hate flying. All, you know, all the rest of it. Not taking into account existing series like Pandemic or um, J-O-T-L. I don't know what that stands for. I should. Journey of the Lance. No. Oh, I'm going to feel stupid when somebody points out. All right. How do I feel about co-ops in 2020? That's a good question. I don't think it's been. Right, let's, you know what? Let's go back. Let's go back to... All right. I need to uh, change the Chrome window. Window. Uh, back to the browser one. Is that the browser? I'm literally guessing because it's kind of squished into a corner. Is this one? No. All right. Why can't I? Why are you? All right. Well, I can't do it. I cannot do it, Captain. I don't know why. It'll only let me show that one now. That's weird. And this is live. I don't want to mess with stuff. But I am going to do... You can't see it, folks. I'm going to do an advanced search. Years. 2020 to 2020. Uh, mechanic, which drives me nuts. And co-op is not a mechanic or a mechanism. But it is under here. Cooperative games. And uh, don't tell me about expansions. I don't want to know. And I'm just going to take a quick looky-loo at the top based on Board Game Geek ratings. Uh, well, Gloomhaven is... Jaws of Lion is great. And uh, Etherfields is the number... No, wait, no. Uh, Pandemic is the, the Season Zero. That's fantastic. Oh, Jaws of Lion. Yes, there's a J2L. Well, putting those aside, the number three is Etherfields. And contrary to no pun included and shut up and sit down, I think it's great. I think both of those channels really missed the mark and kind of spent a little bit too much time focusing on what they personally don't like. And, oh, if we don't like it, it's bad. The stuff they said is bad is not objectively bad. It's just stuff that they don't like. Uh, but anyway, I think it's great. Uh, Project Elite came back, but that doesn't quite count. Fox and the Forest duet was neat, but really didn't land for me in Gen. Marvel United, I was really surprised by. Did not expect to like it as much as I did. Um, Micro Macro, missed that somehow. Oh, Crime City. Jen doesn't want to be a criminal. Alter Quest, I, I, it was great, but we are not rolling riders. Rolled Resolvers. Paleo, already talked about that. Back to the Future, Back in Time was okay. But really, the other Back to the Future, uh, Dice Through Time, was much better. It was definitely the superior game. Planet Apocalypse, I don't know anything about that. Aeon's End Outcast, Aeon's End, always one of the best. Pandemic Hot Zone, that was nice, that was fun. Five Minute Mystery, didn't try that. Mysterium Park is excellent. Uh, but yeah. Uh, okay, no Kingdom Rush, I'm just kind of skipping ahead now. Tranquility is a neat little game that unfortunately nobody's knows. I was really impressed by Wonder Woman too. Uh, and oh, there's Dice Through Time. Yeah, I'm going to say it's not the best year for co-ops to answer your question. And then I'm going to come back uh, to the uh, to the to the wordy words. There we go. Do I have any interest in the revamped Myth game that the new? Mm, no, <sighs> no. I'm too. I, I'm too old. I am too old for that bleep. Uh, quite frankly. No offense. Myth was a brilliant design, but um, you know, there are still scars from the learning experience of that game, and I wish them the best of luck because Myth was a great design. But here's the deal. Games like this, or Etherfields, I don't have the time for that kind of stuff. If, if, if I were to try to make time for a big game like that, I should be playing more. I should finish Jaws of the Lion because I love Gloomhaven so much. So, well, probably not. Alrighty. Question retracted, or, or Kabuki retracted something and then laughed at herself. Alrighty. Question. A am I interested in the upcoming co-op expansion for On Mars? Yes, please. I imagine that will that might make my top 25 most anticipated for 2021. Um, although, I'll be honest, the, the co-op variant for CO2 was very good, but Jen hated it. 
because it was very much the, hey, let's just put you at the deep end of the pool, start you out drowning, and it just gets worse. And it didn't really have that kind of variable tension that I love in a cooperative game, like, say, Pandemic, where things are going great. Oh no, now things are terrible. Now that we've fixed it, we're going great again. Oh my gosh, now it's even worse. CO2 is just nonstop, we will destroy you, like ghost stories. So I would worry that that would be his approach on On Mars as well. All righty. DTT New York Zoo is great. It's really good. We really like it a lot. I mean, I, I we did a live run through of it. Um, yeah, not, not, nothing bad about it. It's just you know, we, we can't. We, we, we not everything can be in the top ten. Alrighty, where would I put Bonfire in the list of the all time great Feld games? I think it would make the ten. I think it would make the 10. I think I would put it... I would put it above... I would have to look to see where my what the ranking is. I would probably put it above Luna and Aquasphere and probably still below Macau. But I haven't played Macau in years. So I'd probably kind of put it in the upper middle, I think. Good question, you monster. Making it work for... Oh, and it skipped again! Curse you! Alrighty. Uh, question, will we get a list from her? No, Jen does not like doing lists. I like making lists. It's fun ranking things. Jen hates it. Alrighty. Uh, we only have... Uh, Jen loves Praga. Yeah, Jen... Praga might be her number one of the year. Renature was very cool. But it was very... The two-player game, the way they did the two-player implementation was very cutthroat. Hugely cutthroat. Really all about slashing throats. Uh, and it was too bad because the, the core game... I mean, I love the components, those those nice chunky dominoes and the art was really nice. And I had a higher player count, I think I'd enjoy it a lot more. But the way that you can use those neutral things to just utterly destroy your opponent for to no benefit your own other than ruining their plans, just, it was not a keeper for us. It worked, but it just made the game way too mean-spirited. Best reprint. Let's go back to that list of reprints. It might be Project Elite. That is so amazing. All, I mean, all of... Uh, um... Although, it's a dumb little thing, but I'm so happy with On Tour being in a proper size box now. Honestly, it might be on tour. That's a tough one. I, I have not. I, I don't have a copy of Kanban EV, so I don't know anything about it. They haven't sent me one. I've got Rococo. Haven't got a chance to play it yet. Uh, Seven Wonders Second Edition is worst because they cut the two-player variant, so it is the worst reprint of one of the best games of all time. Alrighty. Thoughts on Escape Plan? Talked about that a little bit ago in a kind of. All right. Have I tried the new Polis? No, I don't believe I've tried the old Polis. New York Zoo, yes. You can watch uh, Jen and me running through it live. Do a search for Rado RRT Live New York Zoo, and you'll find me and Jen playing it live for the people. Why did Endless Mater not make my top 10? Because it's a 2021 game. If it had been a 2020 game, it's all but guaranteed it would have. Because it is better than, you know, it's it, we had this trilogy of uh, the trinity of worker replacement uh, deck builders, it and Dune and my number 10, which was Lost uh, Arnak. It's, it was our favorite of the three. I'm not sure if it's better than Dune, because Dune is so good. But it doesn't matter, because it didn't come out. Uh, it'll, it'll come out next year, and it'll probably... I, I, I'm calling it now. It'll probably be in my top 10 of 2021. Planet Unknown is coming out in March 2021. There you go. It will probably... I would be shocked if it doesn't make my best of 2021. What are the best TV movies I have watched this year? Well, that's not about games, Kabuki Kid. Uh, and that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, let's see. 
do I have an easy way to get a list of 20? All right, I'm, I'm just doing a Google search for new TV 2021. And I will, um, all right, oh, normally it does that, all right. You tell you, uh, in year 2021, new TV. Come on, Google, do one of those little ribbons. Yes, it did one. Okay, so, uh, okay, none of those came out in 2021. Oh, those are upcoming. Oh, no, I don't want 2021, I want 20. That's why I wasn't finding it. Okay, the Google thing wants to talk about, oh, your honor is very good. And uh, the flight attendant, which we're watching both of those because we had to get HBO Max for Wonder Woman, which we'll be watching later today as a double feature with Soul. Uh, But those are both very good, but they're not top tens. And let's see, moving right along um, with this. All right, that's a whole bunch of shows I don't care about. This is not working out very well at all. Um, Wow, yeah, these are a bunch of shows I do not... Come on! All right, that was a terrible... All right, the most popular shows. Here we go. According to Google, the most popular new shows in 2020. Which ones have I loved? I mean, Flight Attendant is excellent. The Undoing was was pretty good. Um, Mandalorian, sorry folks. The Mandalorian is a great production servicing a video game script. Uh, all my complaints about uh, uh, things are going to blow up. I mean, Mandalorian is very, very good. Its production is amazing. It's in service of a plot I would expect in a video game, the same way Rise of Skywalker was. All righty. Um, not and that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it not amazing. The Expanse. I'm. Um, I'm I just finished episode four last night. I'm amazing. Your Honor is good. Uh, I really want to try a teacher. Let's see. Raised by Wolves. I was not that impressed by it. It was good, but eh. Oh, Star Trek Discovery is great. I am... Oh, man. Just watched this week's Star Trek Discovery, and I literally at one point um, almost jumped out, uh, jumped off the couch. I actually... I was laying back on the couch, and I went, ooh, and it was so good. Uh, although, easily one of the top ten of the year has to be Star Trek um, Lower Decks. Alrighty. Uh, oh, Lovecraft Country. Excellent. Um, and speaking of which, uh, Watchman was this year, right? Away was great. Jen and I both loved Away. I know some people complain that, you know, some verisimilitude issues, but we didn't care. It was great. Really wonderful. Picard was really good. Uh, and okay, that's, that's all. Oh, and honestly, we really liked Space Force. My mom and I watched it. Jen refused. I, I, you know, it's had a rocky start, but I thought... There were some really great moments in it. And this is nowhere near close to, um, you know, a complete list. I'm missing a million things, but I'd have to really think long and hard because I watch a lot of TV. Hamburg and or Amstam deserve top 20. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, uh, Amsterdam is a remake of Macau. Macau's in my top. uh, Hamburg was not, which is a remake of Bruges. But Hamburg is so much better than Bruges. So do you mean top 20 Felds? Yes, of course. Can we have a link to Jen's shop? Uh, Jen's shop is etsy.com slash shop slash Jennifer Ham Glass, I believe. Let's double check that. Etsy.com slash shop slash Jennifer Ham Glass. And uh, it's probably a little late for Christmas shopping, but if birthdays are coming up, you never know. How, what would I consider the top Euros of 2020? Um, well, it's easy for you to find because just go back to rank.rado.com. Uh, do a search for 20 or uh, parentsy, 2020 parentsy, and you'll see how I've ranked everything and just keep going and finding the euros and you'll see how they're ranked. How do I feel about Takenu? I talked about that earlier. I also talked about it in my final thoughts when I covered it. Uh, which out of print games do I want to see come back the most? Shadows over. Um, oh, it's right. I, I put it up. Um, welcome to Walnut Grove. Right there. 
That so deserves to come back. It is ridiculous that it has not come back. Um, right. More questions about Takenu. Answer the same. Uh, I tried Takenu with the bot in two-player. No, I never did. In theory, that would resolve it. And if I recall correctly, Dave Turchy did post online that, yeah, it should work fine. Not good enough for me. I want official confirmation that, yes, this is now an officially sanctioned way. We at Board and & Dice and designer Dave Turchy and Tessini, right? Yeah, Tessini, we officially make this a way to play this two-player if you want. If they do that, maybe I'll go back and give it a try. What are my thoughts of um, Anahami? I don't, I don't know it. Do I feel game production franchise has managed this COVID pandemic? Uh, do you feel the game production franchise... How do you feel the game production franchise? What is the franchise of game production? I, I don't know. Honestly, Monica, I don't really know much about the behind-the-scenes making of. And we just jumped ahead again. Go back. All right, so I, I don't have a good answer for that. Uh, has it been done before? Co-op, roll, and write. I feel like it has. I feel like it has, and if it hasn't, it should. and Because that's ridiculous that it hasn't. But I feel like it has, and I just can't think of it. Because my brain isn't good at just pulling information up like that. What is the best rulebook ever written in your opinion? Something you said... All right, um... It's probably not, but the, my go-to answer for this, uh, it was a prototype I covered earlier, Shogun no Katana, because it did, it's not perfect, but it did a brilliant job of wending theme, the thematic trappings of the, th- of the thing they're simulating, into the rulebook. And I loved reading along the rulebook, and they would say, oh, and by the way, th- you know, th- here's how it worked in history, and this is why it's the way it is in the game. And then other times, hey, this is the real way it worked in history, but we had to change it to make it work within our mechanisms. I love that. I'm not saying it's the best, but it's probably one of the most impressive rulebooks I've ever seen for that particular reason. What do I think of the deluxe components for Dune Imperium? Eh, if you like miniatures, they're fine. I don't really like miniatures. I don't like looking at a table full of, of gray. That's just kind of blah and depressing, and I'm never going to uh, paint them, so I don't care. If they come washed, well, that's another story. All uh, right. Uh, uh, what about uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, Takenu crew? I've talked about Takenu, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. I mentioned right at the beginning. You can go watch the start. And the crew, I'm sorry, that's a 2019 game. I considered it for 2019. It didn't make my top 10 of 2019. It's a 2019 game. I played it in 2019. Um, Dice Tower reviewed it in 2019. It's a 2019 game. And it's ridiculous that it's showing up on all these... Because putting it on best of the year 2020, what that's saying is, you know what? Germany doesn't count. And I'm sorry, Germany counts. Korea counts. Taiwan, Japan, France, um, South America. Can't, you know All of these places where just because a game doesn't have to come out in America for it to be considered that the year it launched. If it launched in other countries, those count. The crew is a 2019 game, and it's hubris for mostly American reviewers to say, oh, it's a 2020 game, because that's when we got it. Uh-uh, not a fan. Alrighty, I guess everyone just got the two-player. Uh, that's the working assumption that they just want people to buy Duel, which is a shame, because, anyway. Top video game of 2020. That would be Pistol Whip. Um, Alrighty. And number two would be Supernatural. Those are pretty much the only two games I care about. Both of them on my Oculus Quest. All right. I don't see a question mark. Question mark. Did I... Uh, Chronicles of Crime? No. Um, they offered to cover, uh, have me cover Chronicles of Crime. But I was talking about this earlier. Jen and I, we've, as we move on, we find ourselves less and less entranced by solving mysteries. And I'm sure it's brilliantly done. The original Chronicles of Crime was... But I, it's just, I, I don't think we're as interesting as we once were. I've got a couple of... like a. 
deck detective and pocket detective. I really, I've had those on my shelf. I need to play them. It's just like, I just don't know if we want to solve mysteries anymore. It's just not fun for us in the way maybe it used to be. All right, questions, questions, questions. Uh, you like the Dune game, but doesn't it have more conflict? No, that's a problem. I will never play that Dune game again. I respect the Dune game. I think it is easily, you could almost say objectively, one of the best design games of the year. But it's not a game for me and Jen. I am able, as a reviewer, to divorce what I personally enjoy versus the actual skill and craftsmanship that went into the design of a game. And that's why I say Dune is one of the best games of the year, even though you'd, you'd have to drag me to the table to play it. Okay, what, uh, what's my way to go with learning rules for new board games? What's your average in hours before you feel comfortable explaining the game to Jen? Um, not very long. I get the rules out. The number one thing that's so important for me is, please, rulebook writers, start the rule books with telling me how to set up the game. Don't give me five pages telling me what all the... I don't care about all the preamble. Just tell me how to set up the game. I set up the game, therefore I have touched everything. I know the names of things. I know where they go. I know what they're like. And then that, in my head, makes it much easier to read rules. And whenever I have to learn rules without having actually set up the game first, it is a real challenge for me. Um, but anyway, if I can do that, I re- usually I read the rules once, and then maybe skim it a second time, and then I sit Jen down and say, hey, we're playing, let's go. What is it? There was a show called Space Force, yes, on Netflix, starring Steve Carell. Um, not a lot, most people hated it, but my mom and I, we both really liked it a lot. I thought it was really charming and did a lot of really cool things. And let's see, we just jumped up again. Annoying interface. Book recommendation for 2020. Um, Shogun no Katana rulebook. <laughs> I'm sorry, I... I, I all I read is rule books. I, I don't have time to actually read real books with reading the half a dozen to a dozen game bo- rule books every week. Favorite Warsh game? I really liked that volcano one. I think that is probably his best design. Although, again, it, it's none of his, you know, well, uh, I think, well, I mean, the mind is really cool too. But no, I, I really like, I thought that volcano one was really neat. Although, really, not, not at its best for two. Uh, how I think you rate Orit Labora higher than Lahav. I believe I do. But I found Orit Labora boring from the lack of feeding mechanism. Wouldn't you say Lahav is more stressful? Oh my god, no. Lahav is the antithesis of stressful. The reason I rate Lahav so low is because as a two-player game, it has one of the most broken rules in all of board gaming. Which is to say, um, here's the way, here's the way you play Lahav to get back some score. Um, always ensure that when it comes time to feed your people, don't have food on hand and take loans. Uh, You're not winning that game if you don't have at least a half a dozen to 10 loans on hand at the end of the game, because no matter how many loans you take, you only have to pay one franc in interest. So take as much as you can and just go heavy into Coke and steal and, uh, and then just pay them all off at the end when they cost nothing to pay off. And that is pretty much the only way to play that game because it's fundamentally broken. No, not broken, but it is. Very easy to, uh, what do you call it, exploit. So yeah, uh, there is no uh, pressure in Lahav, unfortunately. Uh, um, right. Would you like to play Marvel Champions if it was DC? That's a really good question, Darren McGuff, M- McGuff. I probably would, but man, I just don't care about DC characters. I've never really... I mean, I like Batman the Animated Series because... Not because of Batman, because it was just so far ahead of the curve when it was out. And, uh, I mean, I liked Superman when I was a kid, but man, I, I just have no affection for any of those characters. 
I will do, I will admit that even if it's the exact same game, just switching over, I don't think I would rate it as high because yes, there's no denying part of my love of Marvel Champions is my deep abiding love of Marvel. You know, going all the way back to when I was a kid. Album of 2020. I don't know. I rarely listen to music anymore, and whatever we do listen to is just whatever Pandora feeds to us randomly. So I couldn't tell you. A small two-player card game by Stefan Benorf. Uh, I don't know. I, I need to. Apparently, I need to go look it out. I am going to go add it to my wish list, which you can't see me doing, but I still have Board Game Geek open. Don't I? No, I don't. Board Game Geek, Onahami, and there it is. It's the most Zen Garden uh, collecting cards, right value. I'm going to put it on my wish list. And I'll look at it later. Do do do. Non roll and write filler. I'd have to go back and look. Honestly, at this point, if you go to ranked.row.com, you can figure that out by going to ranked.row.com and looking through them. And when you find the highest ranked filler that is not a roll and write. DDD. Are you interested in playing uh, Trying Fire Robin? Oh, yes, we have. And I've done a run through. No, I haven't. I haven't done a run-through for it, but I did talk about it in a roundup. Probably the November roundup, maybe the October roundup. So you can uh, hear what Jen and I thought about it. We were very impressed by it. Jen loved it. I thought it was very good. Um, it's, a fell, uh, it's a freeze game that we're keeping. Uh, all right. I don't see a question mark in there. What was the best horror co-op? Project Elite. Um, how much are you looking forward to Age of Atlantis? Age of Atlantis. That was that really neat worker placement game with the gigantic workers, wasn't it? That was really that was a cool game. That was a cool game. Honestly, at this point, all I can remember is just how cool the uh, right. Oh, because yeah, it, it kind of had the castle panic thing of them coming in, and but they, those were opportunities for you to move around. Uh you'll have to find out on January first if it makes my top twenty-five most anticipated. Good question. Uh, the space show with Hugh Laurie. I thought that was actually really nice too. Uh, that was such a quirky show. Um, oh, what was it? It's not like Titanic, but it was something... It was the name of the ship he was on. Uh, that was a neat show. I liked it. Uh, all right. Do you enjoy... I mean, just because it had so many really funky, far-out sci-fi ideas. I didn't really like it so much for the comedy. I liked it for the sci-fi-ness of it. Do I enjoy playing... To, I have never played anything in Tabletop Simulator. Tabletop Simulator, I know this is on sale on Steam. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll buy it. Even though I don't want to, because I fundamentally do not support them. I support Tabletopia, because Tabletopia does it right and gets permission from publishers before it basically... Yeah, you know, because Tabletop Simulator is a board game piracy platform. So, yeah, uh, I'm Tabletopia all the way. Do I like Naughty Dog games? I did back in the day when I liked video games, but I don't particularly anymore. Uh, what do you, and the last one I played was Uncharted 2. Uh, which, by the way, if you go check out my top 10 video games, I did one of those once and nobody cared, but you can do a Google search and find it, and Uncharted 2 was in my top 10 video games of all time. Spoiler. What do I think of the new BGG website design? I love it. I think it's getting better all the time. I think people who complain just fundamentally cannot appreciate the fact that these changes are not for them. I think for the most part, uh, most of the decisions made to make the game more user-friendly for new, you know, more discoverable, I think all that stuff is great. I just can't wait for the subscription page. That's the most important page in all Board Game Geek to get uh, fixed up. Two questions on Wingspan. Which expansion would you recommend getting first? Uh, Maripo- you can... I talk about how I felt about Mariposas as a follow-up. You can find that in my run-through for Mariposas. I've only played one of the two expansions. I've got the other one. I'm hoping to play before the year's out, so I cannot answer. Ask me again in January. Uh, you can always ask questions at questions at which will be in the podcast. What are the chickens back to link? No. 
We're still at best getting like three or four a day. Jen is getting quite frustrated with those birds. Uh, what game for 2019 did I play most in 2020? Probably none, because I ain't got time to go back and play other games. I'm always playing the new stuff. Uh, let's test that. Let's go to, uh, let's go look. I've still got ranked up. All right, I'll go back to ranked, ranked.raw.com, and now I'm going to search this list of games in my collection for. Uh, Right. Marvel Champions. Oh, it's easy. Marvel Champions. I've actually played that several times. Every time a new expansion comes out and uh, the Wasp is going to show up any day now. It's in the mail. I'm checking the... Uh, uh, so Marvel Champions. Easily. Easily peasily. All right. Uh, could you... Yeah, of course. Slime Filter a great board game, I think. Roll and write legacy story-driven. What's the next revolution? That would be... Um, oh, shoot. I can't think of it. Um, where is it? Oh, that's embarrassing. All right, hold on a second. Uh, I've obviously, I've been doing this too long. I should know this one. Oh, uh, no, not five. All right, hold on a second. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Although probably co-op, since if somebody if nobody's done that, there needs to be more co-op. But um, really, the next roll and write of note for me is why can't I think of that? Adventure Inc., which is basically Gloomhaven the roll and write. Uh, oh, that's it's, it's subtitle Adventure Inc. Five factions of filigree, and uh, all I can think of is filigree. But it's the real name is Adventure Inc. That's the one to watch for. I M O. All right, back to D T T. Worst game of the year, 2020. All right, normally I don't like to go negative, but let's take a looky loo. Let's go back to Advanced Search. No, you know, and I'm sorry, I don't want to be negative. Because actually, I do know, and I don't want to kick a game when it's down. So I'm not going to do that, because I like to be about positivity. It's a fair question, but I'm not going to call it out, because I just remembered what it was. Do you suspect my list will change drastically? 18 games. I would bet at least two of those games, of those 18, are going to push their way on. I couldn't tell you which, but I would say at least two, but probably no more than four or five. So that would be pretty drastic, if that's the case. And hey, question. How do I feel about game books or choose your own adventures? I liked them when I was a kid. I, uh, I, I, I want to play games with my wife. I'm really not into solo gaming. Um, I do it because sometimes it's part of my job. And um, But uh, let's see. We really liked... Legacy of Dragonhold is effectively a multiplayer choose your own adventure book. And we really liked it a lot. You can watch my run through where I talk about why. Did I like Forgotten Waters? Forgotten Waters, we thought it was fine, but not great. I'll be we played it this month. I'll be talking about it in my monthly roundup. All right. And folks, oh my gosh, you're too slow. I have caught up with you, which is my cue to skidoo, everybody. Uh, what are we at? Uh, it's almost one o'clock. And I mean, boy, you must still be here because you're still asking questions. Let's just take a quick look. Yep. Oh, I've dropped down to 300 or so, folks. Folks, thanks very much for showing up. I would have to say this was a success. And based on this success, next week, uh, I think it's a week from today, or is it a week from tomorrow? January 1st, I'll be doing another live uh, countdown. It'll be my top 25 games most anticipated for the year 2021. And we'll do this again. So hopefully I'll see some of you then. And otherwise I am going to bid you adieu. Let's just take one last look to see if there's anything. Uh, oh, there's a bunch more stuff. Uh, but Oh, you've got more questions and I'm sorry. Save them for next week if you come back for that live one. Because I am out of here. Thanks for watching everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye.